0: Let's turn to James chapter 5 that we just read, James 5, and tonight we're going to look at 7 to 11, Uh, James 5 verses 7 to 11, be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. The idea of patience in the Bible is uh, something that uh, is spoken of a great deal. The book of Proverbs uh, talks about the wisdom Uh, that comes through exercising patience. Uh, The Psalms are full of that, where the Psalms uh, are uh, written in a context of opposition and uh, danger on all sides, by nations, by those who uh, threaten the people of God, or threats coming from within the church itself. And so uh, patience is something that uh, God's people are called to, in every age and at great length. Uh, patience is something that is so important because it is a, a regulator of our lives. Impatience is very da- dangerous it, because it opens us up to all manner of sinful behavior and sinful choices. Uh, we saw that with uh, Abraham and Sarah where God made promises to Abraham and uh in their impatience, they take matters into their own hands, and uh, Abraham has a child by Hagar, uh, um, Sarah's concubine. And we saw all the ensuing troubles that came from that. And there's many occasions like that through the Bible. Uh, David was very impatient at times. He, he realized that you know someday I'm going to die by the hand of Saul. So what does he do? He takes off and he goes to live with the Philistines. He goes to he he makes a sinful choice. Um, uh, there are other occasions in the Bible. Um, uh, Peter, for example, he pulls out a sword and he attacks the servant Malchus and he cuts off his ear. And Peter is rebuked by Jesus. There's other uh, examples and there's plenty of examples in our own lives. I'm sure you can uh, 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 review and go go back over your own life where impatience has, had brought you to. Uh, a very difficult place, whether it's something you said, you lost your patience with someone, and that's often uh, the situation we lose patience with our children or we lose patience with our family, we lose patience at work or at school or wherever it is, and we say things that we regret, and oftentimes that's the the bulk of um, where our regret comes from. Sometimes we'll do things that we, we regret. Uh, we will make uh, bad choices out of impatience, out of fear, uh, out of waiting to see how things go. And uh, uh, and this is something that uh, characterizes, characterizes some of us more than others. Some people are naturally patient. Some people are naturally impatient. Uh, but nevertheless, it's something that we all are uh, guilty of, impatience from time to time, and need reminding of. And so I'm losing patience with this fly. <laughs> so the, uh, he, he's really, I don't know why he comes up here all the time. Why doesn't he go up to that light? <laughs> but anyway, the uh, James is speaking here of patience. And I'm going to learn patience here tonight, I'm sure. Uh, he, he's speaking, and James is heavily dependent upon the book of Proverbs. Heavily dependent upon the book of Proverbs, which speaks a great deal about patience and the wisdom literature as a whole. We can think of Psalm 37 or the book of Job. If anyone uh, um, had to learn patience, it was Job. And in fact, uh, he goes on to speak about that, the steadfastness of Job. Uh, Job was notorious for his, the, the way in which he suffered. And he had to learn patience. He had to learn to put his hand over his mouth and not speak unadvisedly about uh, the trouble in his life. And we see that, don't we? And he thought he was speaking um, righteously. You know, I have a right to say this. I'm in trouble. I am. Uh, I, I'm. I'm suffering unjustly. And therefore, out of Job comes flowing all of this. Uh, uh, accusation against God, and at the end of the book of Job, we see that he has to put his hand over his mouth, and you say, well, Job, I mean, wow, if anyone could speak unadvisedly, it was Job. He had a right, didn't he? He, was his, he lost his family, he lost his, he lost his health, he lost his, his possessions, everything, uh, except his judgmental friends. Uh, he, everything was gone. Surely he has a right to vent and to get things off his chest. And yet at the end of the book of Job, he he says, "I put my hand over my mouth and I will stop speaking, because God has revealed to me his infinite wisdom. And so uh, James is turning in the beginning of the chapter from those who are, who oppress, to those who are oppressed, those who are suffering. And rather than fighting back, James calls them to endure, knowing, as we were seeing this morning, that even the suffering of our, in our lives is appointed by God. And lest we start to fight against God, we have to rein in those passions that cause us to be impatient. When things aren't going our way, when things are not being done the way we want, when we're not getting that call back, and that, when when uh, when the the person that we're waiting on is taking too long to do something, and so we have to be patient and understanding. And, uh, and so, in behind all of that, of course, is God Himself. And to to rage and to lose your temper. Even if it's at the people around you, really, the Bible says you're fighting against God. You're raging against God who has brought circumstances to bear in your life. And this is what we need to be most careful about, that it's not God that we're fighting against. It's not God that we're becoming angry with. So James desires to shift our attention away uh, as does the rest of the New Testament, to what's happening to us, to what is happening in us, and what God is doing in us. And uh, James speaks of that purposefulness of, of uh, trial and suffering in our lives. He says, he shows that at the very beginning. Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet with various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith is uh, uh, of your faith produces steadfastness. You see how he talks about the purpose. and let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Uh, and so he he talks about the blessedness of the man who remains steadfast under trial. Uh, he he talks about think it not strange, the fiery trial which is to try you and so on. He, in other words, they are not random situations but that they are coming directly from God. Patience, on the other hand, shows that we are following God's times and seasons for our lives. There's a time of blessing, there's a time of, of joy, but then there's a time of maturing. And uh, We need to be able to adapt to each one of those. To the glory of God, as Paul, as we've been seeing in Philippians, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I have learned how to abound, and I have learned to have nothing. In sickness and trial, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is the point of trial. I can do all things through Christ who is who strengthens me. And so uh, uh, this is how the patient person lives. Not with a a, uh, quick temper, uh, but with uh, a slow kind of fuse. Not giving way to passionate outbursts of anger, but is rather uh, a work in progress. That's, That's the amazing thing about your life and my life, that once you see God in the equation, once you see this trouble as sent from God, then you're you're approaching it in a completely different way. You're saying, God is trying to teach me something. God is trying to bring something out of me. God is trying to show something that is in me. Something that I may repent of. Something that I may turn from. And on the other hand, He may be trying to encourage a gift in me or trying to draw out of me more love, more goodness, more patience, all of these things. And all of this coming through our interaction with the Scriptures. And those are the uh, uh, ways in which God uh, uh, deals, deals with us. And, and James here, he talks about this in three ways, from uh, from the soil, which we will see, and then learning patience from the fact that the Lord is present, and then also learning from the Scriptures themselves uh, from the fact of all that the Scriptures tell us about patience. And so... We find ourselves each and every day. Think about just the past week. I can think of situations where I was impatient. Uh, I can think of situations where others were impatient. I, there was someone trying to get a hold of me this week, and uh, my phone wasn't working. The, my my, my uh, Something went wrong with my carrier, my provider, and uh, they. it was a, for a very... Um, very kind of uh, urgent situation. And uh, they were leaving messages on my phone and I, it was a kind of a time-sensitive thing and they weren't getting through. So I had to phone up my... Uh, someone finally got through to me and said, this person is trying to get a hold of you. And uh, and eventually we resolved the situation. We got in contact and uh, worked things out. But uh, I, I felt bad because I know... Uh, if you're in those situations, and it was a situation where someone had passed away and they wanted to figure things out about the funeral and all the rest of it, and and, uh, I felt very bad about it because in situations like that, you can become very impatient. Thankfully, this person wasn't an impatient person. They were very understanding. But in a situation like that, some people could be very impatient. And then giving way to all sorts of Impressions about the the pastor, the ministry. He mustn't care about me at all. what kind of person is he? We should have chosen someone else. And that's the way uh, things can take off, where patience, impatience can lead to all sorts of other uh, dastardly things that can be said. And so that that was one situation in in my week, and I'm sure you can point to situations in your own a week at work with people that you expect things from at work and maybe it's not coming in on time or you're you're working alongside of someone and they're not pulling their weight or uh, again you're uh, expecting something to come and it hasn't arrived and uh, you're waiting and waiting and so on. You become very impatient. Um, but they, they can be very minor but nevertheless at the same time They can tell us a lot. It doesn't take much to tell us a lot about where our hearts are. It can be just a small, minor irritation. And you get frustrated and angry. And then, if you're a wise person at all, you're able to kind of sit back and analyze it and say, wait a minute, that was totally wrong to say or to do that. uh, And it says a lot about my relationship with God. I may say a lot of good things, good things from the pulpit, good things in my profession, but when I find myself losing my temper, it says a lot. That's really, whatever else I may say, it's those situations that really tell me about where my heart really is. And sometimes we need those situations to really lay bare what the truth is. Peter needed that in his life when uh, he was confident that he was going to stand by Jesus no matter what. And all it took was the words from a young girl to say, you are also one of his disciples. Which then allowed uh, God to expose the weaknesses within Peter, the pride, the fear within Peter. It didn't take much, did it? And it didn't take long. And neither is it with ourselves, and so we need God's Spirit in all of these situations, whatever they are, and to to learn patience. Be patient, therefore, brothers. He goes on again to repeat that you also be patient. Establish your hearts. In other words, it's digging in. Strengthen your hearts. Be. It speaks of being a bit more active, uh, being more resolved in thinking through your need to be patient. Be steadfast, brothers. So he is really asserting uh, the need for self-examination in that. And that ought to be the way in everything. We ought to be continually reflecting, not just in terms of our impatience, but whatever comes our way, if it's good, or if it's trying, whatever it is, we say, I'm, re, I'm responding some in some way to this situation. How, what does this tell me about myself? What does this tell me about my pride? What does this tell me about things that I have or things that I lack? Or ways that even I underestimated myself in that now I feel more encouraged about myself. that I thought I couldn't get through a situation like this in the past, but here I am. And you are, you are again, able to reflect. You're not always down on yourself. You're not always saying, oh, woe is me, but you're, you're looking at positive things. You're saying, well, here's a situation that God put me through, and it didn't expose a kind of a bitterness or anger in my life or an impatience, but it exposed a strength that, God has worked in me that I didn't think was there. And again, we have found ourselves in those situations as well where you thought, well, I, I I don't know how I'd face a situation like this. And then you go through it and you find there's there's something there that I never thought was possible of me. But the first thing he says, he says, you also be patient, uh, be patient, uh, um until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious food of fruit of the earth being patient about it until he receives the early and late rains. In other words, so that that is something that we can easily identify with. We live in uh, farming communities we this church is surrounded by fields we li- we worship in a uh, rural community. Area. Many of us live in rural communities, and so God is showing us a parable that uh, unfolds for us every year around us, as farmers, uh, a- a- as with this, waits for the precious fruit of the earth—the potatoes, the grain, uh, whatever, the vegetables that are growing, or the fruit in the, on the on the uh, the the vine. He waits for it with patience. He doesn't reap on the same day he plants it, but he waits for it. He works at it. He knows that a, a great deal of patience is, um, is, is involved in waiting for that crop. There's a lot of anxiety sometimes putting a crop in the ground, isn't there? We've had a great growing season this year, it's been wonderful. With the, we've had a great summer, a wonderful fall, the crop was good, but it's not always like that. And so, farmers will oftentimes put a crop in the ground not knowing what is going to happen. And so, it takes a great deal of patience and care and planning planning what will happen if the crop fails. What will happen, what will we do if uh, we can't get uh, a certain percentage of the crop out of the ground? And so it it, it takes a lot of patience, doesn't it? See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. And so uh, he, he, he waits for it. And the Bible says that this is what we ourselves are to do, that through patience comes real reward. I waited for the Lord my God and patiently did bear At length to me he did incline my voice and cry to hear. He took me from a fearful pit and from the miry clay, and on a rock he set my feet, establishing my way. He put a new song in my mouth. Our Lord to glorify. Our God to magnify. So there was fruit that came from his waiting, wasn't there? He found himself in a new place where he was singing a new song unto God. He wasn't writing a new song. He was simply taking a song that was there and he he says, I understand this psalm or this song in a fresh new way. I waited for the Lord. And I I, I, I bore patiently at length to me. He did incline my voice and cry to hear. That is particularly challenging when it comes to, say, Praying for family members. Praying for family members who are unsaved, unconverted. Maybe we've prayed for them for many, many years and haven't seen that reward. But we wait. We come back to God. And friends, we have to be believing when it comes to praying for our loved ones. Does Jesus give us those parables simply to mock us? Those parables of endurance and patience and waiting upon Him in prayer only to throw it back in our face and say, well, it's all for nothing and and, and you wasted your time. No, he's giving us those parables. He's telling us about patience because it is his desire to hear our prayers and so we must persevere. Persevere for family members. Persevere for the right things. That's the other thing we have to think about. What are we patient or impatient for. Jesus talks about seeking first the kingdom of God. Those are the things principally that we wait upon God for. We're patient in, in those things especially. We're patient when it comes to people in the church. Uh, the Psalm 122, which we looked at a few weeks ago, uh, said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Well, how much damage is done within a church when there's a lack of patience? When people turn on one another, when they don't get their way or their agenda is not carried out. They will turn on one another. And so within the church itself, these things must be uh, pursued. And so he he says, um, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. There is great reward in waiting upon God. Wait, says the psalmist upon the Lord. Wait, I say. Don't be, don't let yourself fall apart when it comes to the prosperity of the wicked. When you see the wicked prospering, don't think that they are going to get the ascendancy, but realize that God has given them their day. He has appointed a time for their uh, uh uh, for their destruction. God will deal with them. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. So what we what do we do? We take that situation and we give them into the hands of the Lord. Say, Lord, I don't want to be impatient with this person. I give them into your hands. I know, Lord, you can deal with it better than I can. You have told me to respond in patience and love to this person and let that Let you deal with the outworking of that. That again tends to the patience that he is driving at here. God uses trial to distinguish real faith from a kind of a superficial faith. That there might be real results. That's what you want to see real results through trial, through waiting, to say, here is something real that's taken place in my life because God has brought this situation in. I have waited upon the Lord. I haven't taken the easy way out in trying to solve this problem and look at the fruit of it. Look at what God has done. I've waited. i waited long upon the Lord. I didn't take matters into my own hands by talking behind the person's back or tearing strips off them or trying to undermine them in some underhanded way. But I was up front. I, was in, I, I preserved my integrity in dealing with the person. And in the end of the day, the Lord vindicated me when I waited for him. So the Apostle says, we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces character and hope. Isn't that wonderful? Therefore, we glory in tribulation. How many of us have gloried in tribulation? Well, sometimes we can't, as I said, glory even in being you know, minor irritations that we lose our temper over. it, it, It doesn't take much sometimes. But Paul is saying here, we glory in tribulations. Wow, that's taking it to another level. What's Paul forcing us to do? He's forcing us into a corner to say, learn character development. Learn that this is God's chief way of stretching us and growing us in the soil of affliction. That's what he says of his ancient people, that I have have brought you out of the furnace of affliction, and I shaped and molded you there. Also, he talks about the presence of the Lord. You also be... Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. In other words, the presence of the Lord ought to encourage us. That God is with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Look at what it says. In... um, in Hebrews chapter 13, keep your life free from the love of money. That's something that causes us great impatience, doesn't it? When the money's not coming through. Keep yourself free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so we can confidently say the lord is my helper i will not fear what man can do to me what words of encouragement they are psalm 37 he says do not fret for evil men for like the grass they will uh, they will soon wither he goes on to say commit your way to the lord trust in him and he will make it come to pass he will make your righteousness shine as the dawn be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And don't worry when men succeed in their evil ways. And so he, he, he goes on. He says, You also uh, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. God is among us. Paul says the same in Philippians. Uh, You remember in Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything in other words, the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. This is the idea that James is trying to get across here. The Lord is among us. So don't be anxious about, everything, about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so, he says, the Lord is present. Then he talks about the the prophets as examples. As As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast, You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how He is compassionate and merciful. As an example. How many times have we heard that in the New Testament, of using Old Testament saints as examples? Well, the book just before this, Hebrews, gives a whole list in Hebrews 11 of examples of faith. Examples of people who were patient, who waited. In fact, it ends by saying this Others suffered mockings and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn into, they were killed with the sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All these through faith commended, all of these, I'm sorry, through uh, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. In other words, these saints had patience even when they didn't in this lifetime receive what they were promised because they were waiting for the fulfillment God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect so you, we may not even in this lifetime receive the things that we feel we want to receive so we wait You see oftentimes the longing of the Christian soul will not be satisfied until the end of time. Are you willing to wait? Are you desperate to see all your desires fulfilled in this life? Or can you wait and say, Though my heart and flesh fail, God is the strength of my life, God is my portion? You see? You're taking it above and beyond the things of this life. He said, God is my portion. God is my inheritance. God is my all in all. And him I have now. And I will never not have God. And so I take my cue as an example from uh, uh, the prophets, those who waited, those who are, as I say, many of these great saints who were catalogued for us in Hebrews 11. Great men and women of the faith. What, shall, uh, 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 what more shall I say? For time would fail me of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. Who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. That would be Daniel in the den of lions. Can you imagine how exercised your patience would be in that situation? How desperately you would be calling upon God, get me out of this situation? But Daniel looked up to the Lord. Daniel looked... To the Lord. I was wondering whose cell phone went off. It was my cell phone. There you go. Uh, he looked to the Lord uh, through faith, conquering kingdoms, quenching the mouths of, mouths of lions, quenching the power of fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. What kept them from running around and pulling their hair out and saying, woe was me. They stood before this king. These young men probably still teenagers, saying, oh king, we know how to answer you in this matter. We know that God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to your image. In their patience they possessed their souls. And this is the the history of many of God's saints, but also in particular, The prophets themselves. Moses, who was the great prophet of the Old Testament, regarded disgrace for Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. There is the great Old Testament prophet. How does he possess his soul? How does he keep it together? How does he embrace the disgrace of Christ and esteem it as greater value than the treasures of Egypt? because he was looking to the reward. And so he says, think of the prophets. David himself was a prophet. And we can see, uh, though, though there were some low moments in David's life, yet there were some high moments in David's life as well. When he was told by his 600 men, here is Saul, kill him right now, he's just right in your grasp. David says, I'm not going to do it this way. I'm not going to bring my kingdom in by through the bloodshed of God's anointed. No, I'm going to wait. I'm going to let God do this. I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to do it above board. I don't care what the cost is. That ought to be the way with each one of us, friends, in all our dealings, whether at work or whether at school or where in, in whatever it may be. I'm going to do it the right way no matter what the cost is. I'm going to, in my patience... Work through this with the Lord. And I'm going to use the saints, the prophets, the people of God as examples. This is what Job did. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Job discovered that the Lord himself always has the last word. Although he went through many ups and downs, he never cursed God or turned from him. And his endurance was rewarded, wasn't it? He received back at the end of his life, many times over, more reward than he had before. More children, more flocks, More crops because he endured. He endured. He waited upon God. He didn't throw out his hope. Even in his suffering, he always gave the right to end his life to God. He never said, "Oh, my pain is beyond what I can endure. Therefore, I'm going to you know, have call up my doctor and have end my life." Have my doctor end this pain. He ne- he said no matter how su- how difficult his life was, he knew that the right of life and death belonged to God. Many people in their impatience see no value in suffering see no value in these things. That's not to say we ought to speak lightly of people's suffering by no means. But nevertheless, we as God's people ought to affirm that the right to life and death belong to God alone. And so we wait You, you have seen how the Lord is merciful and compassionate. So we have in these examples, the example of the farmer, the example of the, 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 the presence of the Lord in our lives, the example from the Scriptures of all the ways in which God tempers our impatience and feeds our patience, shows us the reward in patience, of Job and the prophets people like David people in Hebrews 13 we think it's a small thing patience impatience well that's just the way some people are aren't they some people are impatient some people are not i guess i'm i've just gotten the just the the bad end of the stick i'm an impatient person and we just make excuses like this and we can't we have to see impatience as sinful we have to see him. We, we don't mollycoddle our impatience. We don't justify our impatience. We see that impatience is a direct assault upon the very character and nature of God God's love, God's goodness, God's provision. We see impatience as going against the grain of God's saints in the Bible to say that this is the way they went, but I'm going in this direction. But I want to be like them, I want to follow their example on Monday morning, at work, wherever I am. And so this is our challenge, friends. I've got a lot of work in my life when it comes to patience. and But nevertheless, God is good in giving us a Bible full of examples, not only of people who were patient, but what that brought about in their lives. The outworking of that, the reward that comes from waiting upon God, and may it be the same with us tonight.